50- and 6-year-olds. Nothing against 50- and 6-year-olds to start, but when it's a bunch of 50- and 6-year-olds making decisions on how a 17-year-old will react something or a 15-year-old will react something when they have no idea and just expecting that just because they grew up enjoying certain stuff and certain stuff worked with them when they were in high school, a lot's changed since then and not actually recognizing that they need to adapt and get young voices in the room to understand what's actually going on and what the trends are currently and what actually is going to sell and connect with youth audience. I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. market to Gen Z? What is the right way to connect and engage with the young? Do you know the biggest mistakes people make when trying to market to this exciting demographic? Joe Polish gathered four experts in youth marketing and asked them these questions and more. It's a preview and a sneak peek of his anticipated panel on the same topic at this year's Genius Network annual event. Joe believes this topic is so important that he's asked it to be simultaneously published across the three podcasts, Genius Network, I Love Marketing, and 10X Talks. Remember to subscribe to I Love Marketing so that you don't miss a future episode. Visit ilovemarketing.com forward slash subscribe for more. Hello, this is Joe Polish. I am the founder of Genius Network, and we're going to have a pretty uh, pretty interesting uh, conversation here with four pretty awesome uh, people that are all Generation Zs, Gen Zs as it's called. And I w- I'm going to have each one of these individuals at the Genius Network annual event this year, which is happening literally in a couple of weeks. So depending on when you hear this, that may have happened. It may not have happened. It, I just want to actually share some of the insights and knowledge and wisdom of the group that I have here. And we may talk over each other, too, because uh, it's not often that I do a podcast episode with four different people and one who's very, very disruptive as a human, and that's that's the first person I'll introduce. So I'm going to give a, a quick uh, bio introduction, and then we'll get into some conversation. So the first one with me is Connor Blakely. He's the Chief Marketing Officer, CMO of the Campus Agency. It's a youth-centric agency specializing in hyper-targeted marketing to Gen Z, uh, college students and millennials. Regarded as the foremost authority on today's youth culture, Connor has been recognized by Forbes as the number one Gen Z expert to follow. And a few of his clients include Adweek, Awesomeness TV, Sprint, Coca-Cola, American Marketing Association, the Association of National Advertisers, Youth Marketing Strategy, and more. So, Connor, how are you? I'm doing great, Joe. I know we've done a couple of podcasts together, but I'm excited, and hopefully this one turns out some uh, new useful information for uh, for listeners. So, thanks for having me. Cool, man. Hey, and I'm going to introduce the, 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 the other people that we have on the line here, and, and I want you to, if I don't say anything about them that everyone listening should know, just please pipe in. Okay, Jesse K. Thanks, man. Jesse, what's up, dude? What's going on, Joe? You know, living the dream here, living the dream. So here, I'll, I'll read a real quick uh, bio of you. Uh, the short version, Jesse Kay is an 18-year-old podcaster, speaker, and entrepreneur from New Jersey, who I've happened to know his father for, you know, ever, uh, before he was born. Uh, Jesse's been featured in a variety of global publications, including HuffPost, Entrepreneur, Adweek, and Business Insider, along with hosting his podcast. Jesse runs a digital consultancy agency, uh, helping Fortune 500 brands and influencers, over 5 million-plus followers, connect with their youth 
customers and fans via social media and digital marketing strategies. And Jesse, what number was I in the people that you've interviewed for your podcast? You were up there. You were definitely one of the best performing ones. I think you were top five in terms of best performing ones. I think you were right behind Jack Dorsey, so you haven't beat him yet. <laughs> well, I would hope not because, yeah. Anyway, well, but in terms of who did, did you, was that one of the very first people you did a podcast with? You were pretty early on. Um, you were the, you were like three months into the podcast. You were probably first 20 people, first 20, yeah, probably first 20 people I did it with. Okay, cool. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Madison. How are you, Madison? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Well, so here, here we have the, uh, the amazing female representation of the group and perhaps the smartest of the group. We'll see. Uh, Madison Bregman is a 20-year-old entrepreneur, youth marketing strategist, and founder of Girl Z, a youth marketing consultancy uh, focused on helping brands uh, better connect and engage with today's youth, specifically young females. So thank you, Madison. And uh, then our last person, and then we're going to get into it. So Ishan Goel. Ishan Goel. And, uh, yeah, he's a 19-year-old marketer. He's worked with companies uh, like LinkedIn, College Board, Mark Cuban Companies, uh, Poopery, which has got some of the best marketing, like, and it's funny as hell. So we'll talk about that. If you've not heard of Poopery, then uh, kind of think about what that could possibly mean. And consulted for over 25 startups. Uh, Ishan has been recognized in publications like Forbes, uh, Inc., Business Insider, Yahoo News, and his uh, – for his massive success in the marketing world. So I think, I think the way that we should do this, uh, Connor, what did I not say about everyone that I should say, have said, or that so, anyone needs to know? Um, Madison, not only is our female representation, but uh, is definitely the most organized and smartest. So uh, <laughs> you, you did have cool. a good Thank you. Um, I've known, I've known everyone in this, uh, in this group for, uh, it feels like forever now. And they're all some of my best and closest friends. So, um, uh, I, I I could not be more excited to, uh, number one, be able to participate in this and bring value to your audience members, but um, see what relationship uh, that we can create to better not only serve our generation, but each other and, uh, and really move forward. Cool, cool. Thank you. And by the way, since me and you, uh, Connor, have done a full-length episode talking about a lot of cool stuff here, if you want to pipe in on any of those, then go ahead. And what I'll do, why don't I, I'm going to just ask you all a question, and we'll start with Jesse, then we'll go to Madison, then we'll go to Ishan, and then Connor, if you want to say anything, do it. And if not, I'll, I'll go through a couple of questions, and we'll just knock out some amazing stuff as best we can so everyone listening can, can get to know all of you and, and learn some cool stuff. Sound good? Sounds great. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's start with Jesse. What's the most exciting thing you and or your clients are doing that is working to connect with uh, your generation? I'd say um, a lot of my clients are athletes. Um, so helping them sort of unlock the potential to connect with their young fans through social media and through their website and whole digital presence. I think a lot of them in the past have just you know, either connected with their fans through what they did on the field or through TV, but not realizing that they could have personal interactions with their fans online and through social media. And and like an example of what's one of the most effective ways that you're getting them to do that, just how, how you, what do you I teach think, them? Yeah, I think number one is connecting through stuff like Instagram lives or through DMs where they can actually 
bring a fan onto the screen with them and talk with them face to face, um, doing meetups and stuff through social media where you can bring all of your fans together in a certain area. And then other stuff too, where you can do stuff directly for that certain audience. So um, doing giveaways that are targeted towards certain age groups or doing stuff with brands that are targeted to a specific um, group of people. So partnering an athlete and a brand for stuff targeted towards their youth demographic. Okay, cool. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Madison. Yeah. So I'm working right now to, to help brands better sort of connect and engage with young women. You know, I, th- I think there's a lot of conversations going on um, about equality and rep- representation and women are becoming a focus for a lot of companies. And, um, you know, that's kind of what, what I'm working on right now is figuring out how brands can, first of all, connect and then ultimately market to, to young people. Okay. And, and what would be an example of something that you're uh, you're doing? Uh, just helping them understand how women or girls re- respond differently to um, just companies and marketing messages. So, for example, um, obviously females have different brands that, that they pay attention to and like um, instead of males. So just sort of playing into that and, and, that, and emphasizing the importance of connecting with women. Okay. And, and by the way, when, if, if I do not mention this at some point uh, before, when we wrap up, if we don't get into it, I'd love to have you share a couple of examples of, of clients of yours or people that you follow or just someone that's, that you think is absolutely doing it right and here's who people should pay attention to. So I'd like to, if, if we don't bring that up during the, the conversation, I'd like to hear that before we, before we end this thing at the end. So thank you. Uh, Ishan. Um, question. Yeah. What's the most exciting thing you and your clients are doing that's working to connect uh, with your generation? Yeah. Well, I guess that's a really big question. And the best way to answer that would, I guess, be influencers, in my opinion, because a lot of companies are shifting away from realizing that their marketing campaigns aren't working on, on Instagram or Facebook or wherever they're pushing it and pushing ads towards young people aren't really converting to good numbers. And the biggest asset that I've been able to bring to the table would be my connections in the in the Gen Z uh, influencer space. And a lot of companies tend to forget that uh, there are more people, there's more screen time dedicated to influencers, uh, kids consuming thousands of hours a year of content uh, for, for influencers rather than clicking through and watching regular TV or looking through their, their ads that are popping up on their screen. So in my opinion, I think it would be just the influencer game that I've kind of put myself in. Gotcha. At what point does someone legitimately earn the title of influencer? Because, you know, a lot of people will run around and call themselves many titles but in terms of like what, what would you consider like th- this is a person who's an influencer what 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 are some of the benchmarks that you would well, say would would be well, a, a true influencer so a lot of a lot of that's a really good question a lot of people throw around like influencer in their bio first of all if you if you call yourself an influencer you're probably not an influencer um but uh one thing is i think it's cross-platform play if you're big on multiple platforms uh, whether it's like either musically Instagram, Snapchat, and your following is moving with you to different platforms, that's when I believe that like you you are an influencer of some sort that people are following you as you as you run around in circles. Again, the numbers and volume also plays a role in that, um, as well as engagement, how quickly people are, are jumping on your content, how many story views are you getting, 
uh, screenshots, all that stuff all plays a role and it just comes down to the metrics um, and the analytics of is this person worth putting money behind to run a project? Uh, is there, are they getting enough screen time um, when they put up stories and X, Y, Z from there? Because it's just a lot of people tend to forget that um, if someone's just, if someone's like claiming they're an influencer, they forget to look at their metrics and then run a campaign with them and it just doesn't align or match and then it falls out of the sky and people really don't understand why. Gotcha. Okay, great. That was awesome. And, you know, let me mention something, too. I had my very first website in 1996, which uh, was, you know, uh, before most of you were born. Well, I think all of you were not born then. Yeah, all of us. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) most of you. That's kind of funny. Um, And here's the thing with people that are older. And when I was in my 20s, I was hanging out with people that were, you know, 20, 30, 40 years older than me. I've always done that. And I always wanted to get a pulse on things. And I think a lot of people, you know, I turned 50 years old this year. And I hang out with all kinds of spectrums of of, of different people. And I have a lot of of friends, a lot of relationships, a lot of different clients all across the board. And people that are over the age of, say, like 40 years old and stuff, I think they have, uh, you know, a, a different experience of how they would probably think of all of you in terms of marketing. I would imagine all of them think, oh, it's all social media, it's all online, they know nothing about other forms of advertising. And, you know, with hanging out with Connor and stuff, I know he, you know, literally sends people direct mail and stuff. And and there's all these ways to reach people, and there is television, and there's all these different stuff. So as we go through this, if there's any unique things, and certainly I'll, I'll probably talk to you guys about this when we are on our panel in front of, you know, a sold-out audience at Genius Network here in a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, there's, you know, I, I I remember, you know, the first fax machines. I remember pagers. I remember there were no remote controls on televisions. And you would literally need to go up to a TV. And we had black and white TVs when I was a little kid, like really young. And you have to turn the dial. And, and having a color TV was like a luxury. And I remember uh, sitting in front of MTV, you know, when it first came out in the 80s. And I would sit for hours just waiting for uh, a video from my favorite band to, you know, come up. And it could sometimes take hours or days to see a single video. And now today, everything is is instantaneous. And so there's a lot of uh, different perspectives that people would have and they would think that oh you know all all these young people all they do is social media and i know that's not the case although i know that's uh, you know one of the mechanisms so as we go through this the, the, my next question uh is going to be about mistakes but i wanted to ask connor uh anything you wanted to add connor or or, or um that didn't cover that you'd like to share yeah i mean a lot of people talk about uh when people zig i zag but what people fail to recognize is that if you're zigging, uh, if you're zigging and zagging within the same confines of the, all of the same things that everyone did before, then you're going to get the same results uh, in an entirely different way. Uh, the, the common definition for insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I feel like that's what a lot of uh, a lot of what these brands and companies are doing. Not only just marketing to young people, but I'm talking about like collectively understanding culture, testing different campaigns or metrics or things that really matter. It's it's literally all the same. So I I don't think you could have said it any better when you talked about um, like direct mail is a perfect example. Everyone's going digital. I literally send direct mail to people. Like um, it, it isn't the it isn't the context of 
doing through doing direct mail because doing direct mail is great it's how it's done that's wrong um so i completely agree with you yeah yeah and there's all kinds of ways to reach people including picking up a phone and calling them or meeting them in person and talking to them and so developing all of those abilities to connect with others however you do it is one of the you know just the principles i mean even steve jobs said at the worldwide developers conference in 1997 he said first we focus on the uh, user experience, then we focus on the technology. And so the ability to connect, I mean, I always think psychology is more important than technology. And when you have both of them together, you can uh, utilize technology in incredible ways. So let me ask, uh, we'll go with Jesse, we'll start with you. What are the biggest mistakes you see people making when trying to market to Gen Zers or, or just young people in general? I think first off is, I'm sure this is going to be a common theme across all of us, but when it's 50 and 60-year-olds, nothing against 50 and 60-year-olds to start, but when it's a bunch of 50 and 60-year-olds making decisions on how a 17-year-old will react something or a 15-year-old will react something when they have no idea and just expecting that just because they grew up enjoying certain stuff and certain stuff worked with them when they were in high school, a lot's changed since then and not actually recognizing that they need to adapt and get young voices in the room to understand what's actually going on and what the trends are currently and what actually is going to sell and connect with the youth audience. So do you recommend things like, uh, I mean, like a focus group or something or how do you, how do you recommend? Yeah, I think whether that's a focus group or having, um, I know some brands have done stuff with like a Gen Z advisor or an ambassador with somebody who's in the room that stays up to date on the company and works with them on that running a study. I think there's tons of options. I think it just, relates to getting some sort of Gen Z voice or Gen Z person in the room or in their research. Cool. Okay, great. Uh, yeah. Madison? Yeah. So I think that kind of going off of Jesse, what Jesse said, it's hard for brands to understand what's popular and what's trending because, um, you know, as he said, there's sort of older people and they're trying to figure out through um, – just research and formal research instead of being entrenched in the generation and being able to sort of witness and see what people are watching and what they're wearing and, um, you know, sort of where our attention is. Gotcha. Uh, by the way, uh, are your parents younger or older than me? Older. Okay. All right. Just checking. Just checking. <laughs> um, Ishad, how about you? What are, uh, what are the biggest mistakes you see people making? I mean, again, that's, uh, I can answer that question forever. So, I mean, I, I definitely agree with Jesse. What Jesse K says is that they, they definitely have a lot of older people making decisions on on other people's behalf. And they, they really aren't in the position to be doing that. Like, it, it honestly doesn't make sense to me sometimes how someone who is double the age of a target audience that they're trying to target is running a campaign on <laughs> towards that it makes it makes zero sense so the biggest mistake would be definitely is not getting input because i've seen so many advertisements gone wrong i've seen so many things get memed because these companies are trying to try trying to stay cool when when they really have no business doing that and uh well the quickest fix is to literally find someone that's young and understands both sides of the market both the market and understands the the current trends and that's just something that's extremely powerful in, in 
today's world because everything's online, things go viral uh, very quickly. And in a couple of blinks, you can have a viral post that could be a viral campaign or a viral mistake. So it's uh, it's it's definitely good to acknowledge that you definitely want young, experienced people uh, tr- getting in the room and, and really working campaigns that, that are targeting their age range. Yeah, gotcha. You know, my my friend uh, Dan Sullivan, who I do a podcast called 10X Talk with, you know, he's coached more successful entrepreneurs than probably anyone in the world, and he's founder of Strategic Coach. And he has this great line, uh, you know, other people's bad news is your good news. And I've, like, really expanded upon that whole line of thinking that most money that's made uh, for business owners are transforming to other people's bad news into good news. So, you know, if you're hungry, that's bad news. But if you have a restaurant or you sell food, that's good news. If someone's bored, that's bad news. But if you have some way to entertain them, that's that's good news. Uh, if you break your leg, that's that's bad news. But if you can go to a doctor, that's good news. And I'm, I'm actually quite happy that many people um, – suck at marketing because their bad news becomes my good news if I can help them with it. And what you're all describing right now, I mean, I think just so many people that have companies and big brands and big organizations, but they don't know how to stay in touch. It seems that all of you are have built uh, and are building businesses built around helping people that are probably, you know, twice your age, figuring out how to communicate and how to market. I mean, it seems that that, that is the, you know, the common expertise of all of you. And of course, one of the reasons I'm, 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 we're doing this right now and bringing you to the Genius Network annual event is I've got an audience filled with people that are running multi-million dollar businesses, but a lot of them have no clue what you know. And, and the beauty of it is, is they're actually quite coachable and they actually want to learn. Whereas a lot of people, they, they don't have that mindset. And so, yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's 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 probably really good news for all of you that there's a bunch of uh, people that are twice their age trying to communicate, thinking they're cool, and knowing how to communicate. And what you you show up and say, well, let me kind of show you how this really works. So, Connor, anything you want to add? I I really like the point that um that Jesse talked about with with having someone in the office, and you brought up the idea of focus groups. I think that the idea of a focus group is give feedback when in reality, I don't think in a lot of situations, feedback is what is necessary in a lot of these companies and brands. I think it's kind of co-creating with people in the generation to make sure that the BS meter and the authenticity and all the things we all talk about that matter are fully ingrained in everything from the insights to the strategy, the execution um, and all of that stuff. So, Focus group is a little bit broad uh, for me, but I'm I'm a big fan of like let's get them in the boardroom, let's get them in in every single facet of our company to to make sure that we're really aligned. And and I mean like some companies you need it more than others, right? Like if you're an oil company based out of Texas, you don't necessarily need to understand everything about marketing to Gen Z, but you certainly should understand how to hire them, and that'll come naturally by spending time with them. So there really is no downside. Uh, for any business to be able to spend time on this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. You know, and, I, and I've, I, there's different schools of thought over the years. I mean, I have some brilliant uh, people that I've met that are marketers and copywriters and know how to move the dial that uh, absolutely despise focus groups and think it's a waste of time. And then others that wouldn't even think about it, you know, that would not using a focus group or something similar to it in a certain situation. And at the end of the day, though, you know, marketers uh, are testing and you're putting you're putting some sort of message, some sort of communication, you're weaving together however you 
present your story and yourself in ways, and and the marketplace will tell you if it uh, if it likes it or not. Uh, I love the idea of uh, testing ideas on uh, check writers. Uh, in which, by the way, have any of you ever written a check, a physical check, or is that just like not exist in yeah. your world? <laughs> I I haven't. Yep. I, I actually had to write one, and I was completely lost where everything was supposed to go. I was just like, am I supposed to sign up here, or who is this for? Why can't we just like? <laughs> I was just like, what? So I felt very dumb, but I realized like. Growing up, I used to watch my parents pay for things using checks, but then it fully faded away. Sort of like the USB is kind of fading away now. So it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's so funny. I mean, I uh, I used to have to when I started. Uh, I, you guys know my whole story of starting out as a dead broke carpet cleaner when I was in my early twenties, and we I used to have to drive all over Phoenix. I mean, we're, you know, it's a big it's a big city. I mean, it's I think it's the fifth or sixth largest city in the U.S. And uh, I, I had a Thomas Guide map, and I'd have to like you know follow these maps on about there was probably like a hundred pages of different individual areas of of town based on zip codes and based on roads, and you'd have to kind of you'd go down each column and try to find this street matching with this street, and then and then I'd have to manually drive there, and it's just and now there's no hardly anyone uses checks anymore. It's amazing. All right, so uh, all right, so let's start with Jesse on this one. Um, what are the misconceptions people have around Generation Z, and what's the truth? So people that are, you know, obviously not Generation Z. What are the misconceptions that they have, and what is the actual truth? I think the biggest one that I um, tend to find funny is people think that we're like socially reclusive, like we just live on our phones and. Yes, we've grown up on our phones, but I still prefer to get on a phone and talk to somebody in person than text. And I think everyone thinks that people in our generation have no idea how to communicate. And I just think that's not true. Um, yeah, like 100%. Like I've had an iPhone in my hand or a smartphone in my hand since I was like 12. And I've had phones since I was a little kid. But I also can communicate and enjoy communicating. And I think that holds across our whole generation. Yeah, that's yep. that's 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 great insight. <laughs> okay, cool, uh, Madison. Yeah, I think that one of the biggest misconceptions is that people say, "Oh, you guys only have a six to eight second attention span, and you guys can't pay attention for long periods of time." Um, when in reality, that those few seconds is us um, really determining whether or not something is worth our time. It's just we say that it's a BS meter, and we can determine um, if something is is authentic and if we want to pay attention to it or not. Gotcha. Okay. So distractibility, uh, not being reclusive. Okay. Um, Ishan? Uh, I'd say they think Gen Z is lazy. Um, I, we like to find shortcuts. And the biggest thing about us is we like to do things quickly and the right way. We don't like to go the long way home. We'd rather get there quickly. And a lot of adults take that as, as us being lazy and, and, uh, us being useless. I mean, I've uh, I've had so many people like say like when I'm doing projects like why don't you just do it like this? And I said because it's quicker to do it like that and get the same result. Um, we a lot of you like trust the system. Like we we will trust the system, but we'll recreate it and hand it back to you in a better way. And a lot of people that are that have been following the system forever believe that's just wrong. Like oh you're you're breaking everything and and. Um, we just we believe in 
quick things. Like I remember growing up, my teacher would be like, oh, you never walk around with a calculator in your hands. But here we are. We have a calculator in our hands with our cell phones 24-7. Like we have shortcuts. We don't have to memorize everything. We can just look up stuff on our phone. Um, and that's that's just a lot of people that had to do that look at us and they're like, oh, they don't know anything. But at the end of the day, we can pull things up faster and have things at our hands and in our hands in seconds. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, in a lot of ways, what what smartphones and a lot of technologies are are just, you know, they're they're brain extenders. I mean, your extended brain. I mean, uh, I can't remember who I was talking to, but uh, this person said, you know, when I was a little kid and my parents were driving me around, we would go into if we're going across country in a car, we would come into a small town and we'd have no idea where there's any restaurants and we were all hungry and we would just keep driving until we ran into something and then we would go in and order and and now there's no mystery. I mean, it's kind of like taking the mystery out of things. And there's uh, you know there's there's a lot of sort of interesting perspectives. I mean, I uh, back when I was a kid, uh, my father and a lot of adults would say, you know, I had to walk five miles in the snow, 10 miles in the snow to get to school. And I'm sure that still exists today. Um, but not to out your parents, what are some of the stupid things that they say to make a comparison of how difficult they had it and how much easier you have? I mean, are there any cliches or things that you hear your, your parents of your friends, we could say, so it doesn't out your parents, uh, that, that they say that are just like ridiculous notions or way they, ways they try to, you know, guilt you into how much better you have it. Is there anything that you can think of that comes to mind from any of you? I'll go straight and I'll go on my parents. That doesn't have to be parents, friend. Um, the whole, you guys use your phones and technology too much when we were growing up. Like we didn't even have a TV, which I think is BS, by the way. There's no way they didn't have a TV um, at some <laughs> point in their childhood, at least. But like, I don't even watch TV. I, I, like, but considering the fact that like, we had to just read books and sit around. It's like, I read books too, but it may be different form. Like I may not be reading a hardcover. I may be listening to it on audible. Like I think it's just the way technology has evolved, that there's different ways we do stuff, but we're still doing the same things. It's not like everything's changed in the last 30 years. I think it's just technology has progressed to make things easier. And like Ishan said, find shortcuts and stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And Connor, by the way, I do, you know, if you want to say anything about that or misconceptions or whatever, please feel free. I'm sorry, what was that? No, no, because I don't, I don't know if I gave you an opportunity to say anything else related to the the previous question or even to this particular one. Like, uh, so anything you want to say? Oh no, I I think they covered it all. I think they did a great job. Um, yeah, no doubt. I I love uh, that's that's one of the first times I've heard um the word socially reclusive. So I'm I'm with Jeffy. <laughs> Um, so Madison, I mean, what are so, what, what are what are certain cliches or things that you've heard that you're like, oh, give me a break? I mean, one of the most ridiculous things is that my parents say they had to walk uphill both ways in the snow to school, and considering we live in San Diego, that's just not even close to being true. Um, <laughs> so no. yeah, I think that's. Sorry, go ahead. Oh my God, I'm sorry. Did mean to reach out at that? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was your. I'm sorry, go ahead, Madison. Yeah, that's just one of the most ridiculous things. Like, my grandparents, who are obviously their parents, they had cars, like, they drove on places. It's just, um, yeah. 
Yeah, but think about this. When all of you have kids, at some point you're going to say, you know, I mean, we actually had to drive cars, you know, when your children are not even driving because of all the autonomous cars and, you know, whatever sort of devices that fly them through the air or, you know, materialize them into other places. I mean, so you never know. I think people just need to hold on to ways to guilt, you know, the youth into like thinking they had it, they have it better. I don't know. So, um, uh, Ishan, anything you want to add? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I was just getting off of mute. So, um, but I mean, I guess, like I said, back to, back to my original point, like, uh, a lot of, a lot of parents like definitely say like we have it easier. Um, and I definitely don't think that's a true statement considering the fact that we had to grow up continuously connected, sharing, like sharing ourselves out there on the internet, like putting content, at least kids who are active on social media can relate to this, but like, like the exposure, the amount of eyes that are on us at any given point in time is much more than they ever had to experience. And, and like social anxiety is such a big thing with our generation for a reason. Um, and it's, it's that thing about being constantly connected, the feeling of missing out, the FOMO thing. So I'm, I'm a huge, like, I love psychology and I, that's something that I definitely studied a lot. And, um, in that category, there's so much like our generation, they look at us as soft feathers, but there is a reason behind that. And, um, like us being continuously connected, there's a benefit to that. A lot of, like, you have no social skills, but at the end of the day, we need to be able to talk to people. Uh, hold ourselves in an argument while replying to someone's streak on Snapchat and get up to date with a YouTube video that's going viral. So, I mean, it's just like there's so much that we're doing at once. Multitasking is technically impossible, but I think that our generation is getting to the point where, yeah, we're, we're, we're all over the place. I've had conversations with people like, like on multiple channels, like on, on Snapchat, I'm talking to Connor. We're talking about like, something completely different from what we're talking on email, from what we're talking on, on iMessage and like keeping up with all of that. And like, it's, it's not, it's not that we're being lazy on our phones or we're not doing stuff. Trust me, there's a lot going on on our screens at any given point in time. Yeah, totally. Uh, Connor. Yeah, no, um, to, to be honest with you, my phone died and I had to, uh, I had to re get on. So I did not quite hear everything you said. Oh, well, you just missed the most. I'm kidding. By the way, you already had a chance to go. So I was just trying to be polite here. Uh, uh, Your phone died? Yes, my phone died. Um, Typical Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sitting and you want to hear something really funny, guys. I'm like sitting there on a landline and I think I'm probably the only one out of all of you that's sitting on a landline. But, uh, wait, 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 wait. You're not on a landline, Joe. I really am. I'm holding a phone to my ear right now. I'm wait, not wait. What's the, what's the landline? You know, we could have done this on Zoom or something, but I was like, you know, it's just, I'm just going to, I'm sitting in, a, I'm sitting in a conference room in my office that has an actual phone and it, it sounds better than my, than my iPhone. So that's what I'm doing. I know, this. but you still haven't told me what a landline is. You know, it's plug. It's literally there's a cord that's connected to the wall, so it's connected to the land, the landline. Is it, is <laughs> that's the future. <laughs> yeah, it's got a VH. It's got a VHS tape that you insert into it, and then it allows me to do. Yeah. So, um, let me ask you this then: What advice would you give to young people that want to make a difference in the world? I mean, you guys are all like when when I was your ages, I was literally getting sober from being a drug addict. So. 
I worked hard and I had a lot of ambition, but I was really lost when I was your age. And so you guys are doing really amazing things at a young age, which is awesome and admirable and why I'm having all of you come and, you know, be on a panel with me at this amazing, you know, highest level event in the world of its kind. Um, and so what, what, you know, what advice would you give to young people that are, you know, just trying to figure out they want to do something big, they're ambitious, but they're not, you know, they could use some guidance. And let's start with Jesse. I'd say um, the thing that I've heard repetitively from successful young entrepreneurs or successful entrepreneurs in general is find some sort of mentor or what you'd imagine you want to be like in five years, 10 years, 20 years, try and find somebody who does that and do whatever you can for them. Um, Like I did it for seven months, my senior year of high school, just following around um, Brandon Steiner, who Connor actually put me in touch with, but um and did stuff with him and that led to connections and stuff that are super invaluable lessons. So I'd say there's so many opportunities to learn from older successful people. I think everybody who's interested, no matter whether it's business or music or sports, I'm sure you could find somebody and just learn everything you can from them. Yeah, that's actually really good advice. And you will always see people that are, you know, older than you, twice your age, in some cases, three times your age, and you'll see all kinds of holes that they have in their operations or things that they're missing. I mean, that's pretty obvious, especially when you've got youth, you've got energy, you've got insight, you've got connection into a completely different, you know, group of of humans than than they do. What people that have sustained success, though, for many, many decades, they have a level of wisdom that cannot be gotten any other way. And I'm not just talking about people that have been around for a long time, but people that are continuously growing. You know, a lot of people are like 20 years experience. Well, you know, it's it's a year of experience repeated 20 times, you know, but people that are truly, you know, their future is always bigger than their past. Those are the ones that you can really, you know, learn, learn a lot from. Um, cool. So, Madison, what about you? Yeah, so, I mean, one thing that, that I'm still working on as well is to just sort of trust yourself and follow your instincts. I think that as kids, people, and, and society always tries to tell you what you should do, who you should be, what sort of path you should follow, and um, just really trust yourself and figure out who you are. Yeah. You know, how? Um, let, me, let me ask you a little bit deeper on that. Um, uh, how would you rate yourself in terms of having figured that out right now? In terms of how how do you? I mean, it's not an easy question to answer, but but how do you feel in terms of like you're pretty clear on the direction of what you want to do, where you want to go? If you were to rate like ten, I'm a hundred percent there, and one like I'm floundering. Where 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 do you feel you're at right now at this stage? I would say I'm. I would say I'm probably at like a a six. Maybe I think that I have a a pretty good idea of where I want to go. And it's really just more about um, listening to myself and, and not other people. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said about, I mean, if it feels weird or you get a visceral reaction with someone or, you know, I, I, one of the best things that I heard in my twenties, which I've always followed as, as life advice is uh, be nice to the people you meet on the way up. They're the same people you meet on the way down. And, yeah. uh, yeah, you know, I, I, when I was in my twenties, I would meet people and I ran into these people 10 years, 15, 20, 25 years later. I mean, I've even ran across people that I had not seen in 30 years and it's so weird. And it so came to fruition that that statement was true. And I've always tried to do everything I could to never leave scorched earth with business deals or, yeah. Say say that again. I said, dig your well before you're thirsty. Uh, yeah, exactly. So on. But I mean, 
my I, I, Joe, I, I could not agree more. But uh, one thing that I that I would say that I, I'm not sure if we covered in our actually last podcast together was I honestly think that you need to believe in yourself so much that everyone in your life thinks you're crazy, um, and you have to trust your intuition to a point of almost self-deprecation um, in, a, in a lot of ways. And I think because if you're successful and you're meant to be successful, your intuition is what's going to guide you there. Um, so I, I would just try to follow that in every way possible. Yeah, great. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, Ishan. Yep. Anything uh, you'd like to I, I think we're taking a quick tangent. Uh, can we, what's the question again? Okay. Uh, what advice would you give to young people that want to make a difference in the world? Yeah. So I, I'd say just get started. I mean, like a lot of young people, I mean, I know I did this myself, but I would always make up excuses about how, how I would do this or how I will do that or how I'll go to do this. And I always would find a reason in my head to not do it. And, if, I, if you want to do something, get up and go do it. And just don't let anyone tell you you can't. Um, I know age was a big restriction for me whenever I was doing things. Um, they're like, are you old enough to be here? And I'm like, are you old enough to be here? <laughs> it's, just, are you, it's just like I always was a headstrong person. Never, like authority really didn't phase me. And I would always just blow through doors when I didn't care. And that's one characteristic I think that everyone who's trying to get started should have or develop is, is just not caring uh, and just, just getting up and getting started with whatever you're doing and don't stop. Uh, don't let anyone tell you to stop. Um, so that's, that's basically my biggest piece of advice for anyone. And, and also just don't listen to noise. And, and like there's someone, my, I was listening to a really good speaker. His name is Dan. He was talking about uh, the shiny object syndrome about how, uh, how, a lot of people like to chase shiny things. Um, and my, my biggest piece of advice would just to, to echo that and say, like, don't, don't go after the short term benefits. Go for the long term. Find things that will benefit you and put, that'll put you in a position, uh, of power within five years instead of three days. Cause short term things tend to not last as long term, as long as long term things do. Yeah, great, great. No, that's awesome advice from all of you, so thanks. So, you know, when I w did a – when me and Connor did our podcast, one of the things we talked about was, you know, marketing. And there's a lot of people like, what do we need to say? What's the hook? What's the uh, the offer? And I'd like to talk about that. Uh, but, but the context that I want to frame, though, first is that there's a, some of the most effective marketing and engagement mechanisms have nothing to do with, like, sitting down trying to orchestrate selling something to someone or try to trick them into buying something and giving the illusion of creating value. I mean, a lot of the most engaging marketing is truly just creating value, just putting things that are really entertaining, really useful, really engaging, really aligned, and then people will respond and get into your world as a result of it. So uh, that being said, uh, starting with Jesse, uh, what should entrepreneurs be doing better uh, to engage with Gen Z and just youth in, in general. Are you talking about on a personal level or on the company side? It, you know what? It could be it could be both because I think a lot of it blends in together. Yeah, I think um, I think it blends too. I think, like I said before, um, one of the key things is just keeping your ears open and being in the right audiences and listening. Um, but on a more like tactical side, I'd say. 
test out the stuff that young people are doing. Like just cause social media or whatever, the average age is people in their teens to twenties. Like there's many 50 and 60 year olds on it that are killing it on social media. Like, and even if you don't want to build a following or do whatever, I'd recommend just go on there to learn. Or if you have a company, go on there to try and target ads towards the younger demographic. Like it's sitting there waiting for you to use it. So you might as well take a test at it and worst comes to worst, it doesn't work or you're not interested in it. But I think you're leaving opportunities and money on the table if you don't at least take that step and try. Like look in the podcast space, look in the social media space, all of that's sitting wide open. Right, right. You know, and let me, let me, and thank you. Now, let, let me add something to it based on what you said. You know, I've, I've got things that I clearly sell. You know, I mean, I have very, uh, most of my world is I give away a lot of stuff for, for free. That's where most of my podcasts are. The vast majority of people in the world, and we've had, you know, millions of downloads of, of the podcast as an example, and I've reached, you know, hundreds of thousands of people through other mechanisms and, you know, actually millions of people, if you look at all the client newsletters and everything that I've, you know, utilized with my clients over the years. Uh, and so there's there's a lot of things that are are sold and have been sold in terms of getting better at marketing and, and building and growing your business and, and a lot of stuff related in the fitness world. I mean, I've had, you know, some of the top uh, fitness, exercise, nutrition people on the planet are, you know, clients uh, of mine. And then, and, and there are things that I sell, like, you know, Genius Network, it's a $25,000 a year programs, and Genius X, which is a $100,000 a year program, and $10,000 events, and, you know, various other things. So I have things that I clearly sell, and we're wanting to engage people and, and, and sell things to people. And then I've got the passion projects of mine, which is to change the global conversation about how people view and treat addicts with compassion instead of judgment, and find the best forms of treatment that have efficacy, and share those with the world. So about half of my time is spent now helping people that are struggling with addictions. And I don't make any money off of that currently. As a matter of fact, I've spent about $400,000 out of my pocket over the last couple of years just building educational platforms, wanting to you know set the stage on how am I going to help uh, a lot of people with that. So my question about engaging uh, with people is, you know, because I truly do want to engage in the in, in there. There are things in the addiction field. I, w- I will not offer or sell anything that I think is is exploitive, and that's what a lot of people that are trying to quote unquote help addicts and treat addicts they're 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 exploiting uh, a, a very difficult you know a very difficult response to trauma, which is what addiction is. And then there's of course the, the business world. So uh, this is sort of twofold. I'm, I'm going to first ask you guys how to best engage with them. And then the next question will have to do with what, you know, we'll do with offers that companies can actually make. So let's, if, if we can separate the two, there's a subtle difference and they blend in, but I, I'd like to, you know, just really focus first on how do we engage with them. So having said that, Madison, what would you say, what, what should entrepreneurs be doing to better engage with, you know, Gen Z and youth? Yeah, I think that finding a, a way to, to to authentically align your sort of mission, what you're trying to do with um, culture and, and where people are um, is super important. I think that we always, a lot of people try and get um, their audience to, to sort of come and meet them where they are instead of um, meeting your audience where they are with regard to, to what they want to know and what they actually care about. Um, so just finding a way to, to authentically align um, your mission with with um, who the who your audience is. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, Ishan. 
yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with Madison. It's just aligning and, and definitely understanding like what that looks like. So definitely, definitely agree with what Madison said here. Yeah, I'd love to have an example, uh, you know, of, of how you've actually taken one of your clients or something you've done yourself where there was misalignment and you, what did you do to actually create that? I mean, because all of us want to be aligned. The question is, if you're, you know, I, I've, I've said this on stage before that you're either in communication with somebody or you're trying to escape. You know, when you're face to face, it makes the most sense. When you're talking to someone and you're really engaged and you're you're enjoying it, uh, and you're connected with the person and you're feeling good and and you and there's a real back and forth and a real connection, versus you're trying to escape. You know, you're just not there at all and the person's annoying you and they're getting in your face. Well, in in a in sort of a separation of doing it over social media or doing it over any sort of media for that matter, you kind of know when you're into something and and when you're not. I mean, in 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 when you're into something it feels good. When you're not into not aligned, you're trying to run away. So, what what would be some examples of things that you could point to or or, or share that Created alignment where there was a misalignment. Did any of you have any examples or clients or something that yeah. come to mind? So, I mean, can you like reword your question? Because I want to make sure I answer this correctly. So, can you can you like reword it a little bit so I completely understand what you're what you're asking? Well, the original question was, um, what should entrepreneurs be doing to better engage with Gen Z and youth? So, the original thing was for people that so, aren't Gen Z, yeah. how would they engage? And then we got, got into so conversation. Yeah. Oh, so entrepreneurs as in like what, in, I mean, are we just in general, like how can we better connect with Gen Z online or in general? Yeah. Yeah. How, how okay. do we connect with you guys? I mean, the best place to connect, I mean, if you're looking at also from a social uh, standpoint would be YouTube and Snapchat. Those are the two biggest platforms Gen Z loves to live on. Uh, if you're running ads on Facebook, trying to connect to Gen Z, you'll be getting the, the, Basically, the bottom of the iceberg here would be, which would be the uh, the uh, the older guys that are that are on Facebook for college. I mean, the only Gen Zers that are on Facebook are the ones that are, I believe, freshmen, sophomores in college. If I'm getting the age ranges right on, yeah, I am. So it's these freshmen and sophomores uh, that are in college right now that would be on on Facebook, with, and you wouldn't be really getting to the younger audiences, which a lot of a lot of companies are t- starting to realize because by 2020, 40 percent of the market will be uh will be gen z and i i'd say it's just shifting to that dynamic uh, understanding of realizing that gen z loves to be on social media but they also hate to be sold to and they can also smell an ad miles away those those quick baby ads we've been getting hit by those since day one so my my biggest piece of advice to always would be to share experiences and not sales pitches. So I talk about how your product has changed someone's life in a positive way. Uh, if you if you watch the uh, those those uh, acne ads, uh, like proactive and everything, you're starting to see them shift from oh buy this bottle for 19.99 to oh I got I tried uh, proactive and I'm loving it now and blah blah blah. They're they're using real life testimonial and they're putting it in front of people on social media. They really pivoted and aligned themselves. Uh, to that audience because they realized that they weren't really selling the same way they were selling with those, oh, just pay shipping or just, just uh, $9. The Gen Z really doesn't care about the price. They care about the, the impact it has because of the amount of buying options that we have in front of us at any point in time. 
that was really useful. That was very good. Awesome. Any any uh, anything else? Any of you like to add to that? Going going once, going twice. Also, okay. one Go one thing one thing that I would also <laughs> add really is, and something that actually hasn't been tackled is a lot of times when when people are talking about Gen Z or or marketing in general, they often talk about the platforms, but what they fail to recognize or mention is how certain elements of the platforms will evolve uh, and then eventually hit mainstream. Um, and one element that I think everyone should pay attention to is the combination of live and video. Uh, it's been demonstrated on Facebook, but hasn't hasn't effectively um, transitioned into any other uh, social media platform. So I, I would love to see how people can start to experiment uh, and do that at a higher level within their own uh, companies uh, and also playing around with that on other platforms. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Uh, well, all right, so we're getting close to where I said about an hour or so. Um, if you guys want to go a little bit longer, I can certainly make the time if you guys got the time. And if you need to hop this, go for it. But I'll ask you a couple more things. So uh, this will be a subtle difference, but I, there's a lot of people that will be listening to this. They're like, okay, what what's the offer I need to make? How do we, you know, what's the, what is the, you know, way we're going to actually convert Gen Z to actually give us money. Uh, so, or, you know, I guess it could be um, Bitcoin perhaps. I don't know. But um, what's the, uh, <laughs> that was said ridiculously. You know, I, it, it's kind of funny. How do you guys, uh, what is your viewpoint and perspective on the future of money exchange, be it cryptocurrency, anything related to blockchain, anything? Uh, this was not part of my yeah, question, so, so but now that I'm... Yeah. We're, we're trading in V-Bucks now, um, so I'm just kidding. If anyone picked that up, any Fortnite reference. Because <laughs> but, but, uh, I was, I was going to go, do I, have to, do I have to, like, fake my way here and try to figure out what the hell they're talking about? That's a, no, go ahead. no. So, so um, I mean, like, online currency is really becoming a bigger thing as, as time progresses. We're, we're, I, I really wish Fortnite literally would have been able to somehow to open up a currency exchange. Like, we could cash V-Bucks for and we could trade in V bucks. Cause I really thought like at one point, like I know for a fact, like Fortnite, like they, like Epic games, they own Gen Z. Like they had us like by the neck, like we, like everything was in their hands. And at that point I was just hoping they'd do something not that not every other company has done in the past 30 years. Like they should have done something like that would have changed the game and really shook things up. I mean, but I don't know. There's a lot of legal things that come into that. But I mean, when it comes to online stuff like Snapchat, they tried doing Snapcash, which failed miserably. Um, like Messenger just launched their uh, like their you can pay an app, and then there's iMessage, which is uh, iMessage you can pay through Apple Pay, which is slowly picking up. I mean, we're looking at things switching from cash to credit card now to to mobile. Um, which is a lot of RFID or whatever technology they're using. Don't quote me off that. I don't, I don't remember that off the top of my head. But they're they're using that technology. So I I definitely see. I mean, the death of cash coming very soon, and and credit card is slowly getting getting pushed away as well because everything's coming to our phones. Everything's in our hands. We don't need to walk out with anything anymore. You can you can open hotel room doors with an app now. So I'm I'm definitely banking on the fact that wallets are going to become a thing of the past and it's really going to be shifting to um, how many apps can I jam pack on my phone 
that's going to be making my life easier. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Anyone else want to add anything to the uh, future of, uh, of of money exchange, or, I'll, or we'll just go to the next question? I know nothing about any of that. Yeah, me either. Okay. Well, I Same do page, have some no idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do have some investments in some uh, companies doing some very interesting stuff in, the, in that space, but that's for a whole other yeah, discussion. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a big topic because I mean, like it's everything is definitely shifting onto a mobile point. But I mean, like Bitcoin and all that stuff. Like, is it is it something that's going to be adopted? That's the hardest thing is adoption with Gen Z. Like, do we are we going to pick it up? Is it going to be temporary, or is it going to be something that we're, we're going to carry to the finish line? No, no, exactly. Because, you know, the other thing, too, is that humans are creatures of habit. And so even though there may be better mechanisms to do anything, and they could be more efficient, more ethical, more whatever, uh, there's this, you know, that people are used to doing things in a certain way. And there's entire industries that have been cropped up to protect change from happening. So, you know, when you guys talk about, you know, older people, you know, wanting to lord their opinions on how you should live their life and everything, people are just ingrained and rooted in their existing belief systems, their existing uh, behaviors, their existing structures. And so whenever something comes along that, that threatens that or changes that, that's very hard for, you know, humans to wrap their, their brains around, let alone their behavior. So, uh, yeah. so. The, ad- the adoption tends to be a little bit better with Gen Z versus like my parents because like I'm trying to get them to use Apple Pay and they just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let me let me ask you this then. Uh, uh, there's a lot of things that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have some other stuff that I want to carry on to the to the annual event and when you guys when we're on stage together. Uh, since I brought it up, I don't want to not address it. Um, What's the ideal offer that an entrepreneur or company could make to young people? And that may even come across as like a dumb question, but I want to, because I know people that are listening to this, like, well, what do I say to them? What do I offer them? And when me and Connor got into this discussion, his whole thing was, you know, you got to engage with them first. If you just try to pitch them on something, it's it's just not going to work. So how would you guys respond to that question, starting with Jesse? You know, I mean, is when you think about consulting with these companies and telling them what to do and how to sell what it is they're selling, because you know, at the end of the day, entrepreneurs need to sell something in order to have revenue. Um, how do what how how do they make offers? What's the ideal offer if, if there is such a thing? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think if you just go at somebody our age or generation and say, hey, buy this, They're, you're turning them off instantly. And I think we remember that. Like, It needs to be a long-term process of whether it's using influencers or even if you're completely away from that topic, building a relationship with them, whether it's giving them free content or giving them access to certain things or honestly just showing up in their feeds or showing up and interacting with them and engaging with them then further down the line coming at them with them with something. But if you just instantly go for a sell, I think you're going to turn off 95% of people in our generation. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I okay. think it's a multi-step kind of process. Yeah. You all agree with it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, one of the things that I learned early on, one of the most important things to do with uh, customers, clients, patients, you know, whoever they are, in order to have a long term, not not to be in the transaction business, but to be in the transformation business, is, is you have to bond with them. I mean, B O N D, you know, bond. And uh, bonding is one of the most important things that you 
know, once you got a strong bond with somebody, it's uh, yep, you yep, know, yep. It's a lot a lot harder to break. So, what is something that I did not ask all of you that I should have, or anything that you would like to 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 say or speak to um, before we wrap up this episode? Um, and let's start with Jesse, um, and we'll go from there. Anything you left out? Um, well, what, what should I what should I have asked you that I didn't? So I'll speak Sounds for like Connor's got something. Jesse is single, if that's what you're wondering. <laughs> well, if, wow, Jesse, if Jesse's single and wants to use marketing to find true love, then all you need to do is you need to literally go to I Love Marketing and just type in, <laughs> you know, Joe Polish, Annie Lala, A-N-N-I-E, Lala, L-A-L-L-A, and you got to hear the process that I take people through on how you can actually utilize marketing to find the right love relationship with the caveat that you kind of have to be someone that someone would actually, you know, if you want an involved conscious person, you have to kind of be an involved conscious person. You know, I mean, the Connor's Chris struggling Ro- with the same thing, by the way. Connor's been in a deep state of depression the last couple of months after uh, <laughs> for his next relationship. <laughs> Just to put that out there. So now that we're publicly I, I, doing an intervention for you, Jesse, what, so what, I, we're, just throwing, we're just throwing stuff across. I spent time with Joe, and it was all the things he shared with me. And after listening to that, I love marketing episode slash podcast. I'm in a much better spot in regards to all that stuff because it, it it is incredible information. And Joe, as much as I hate to say it, actually knows a lot of shit about like relationships and all, and like w- with finding a significant other and, and all that stuff. So uh, Joe's incredible with that stuff. Thank you. Thank you. And by the way, I had my heart ripped out of my chest uh, quite a few times in my life in order to get to a place where I, I had to learn a few things. And life has a really interesting way of uh, getting you to pay attention. And sometimes pain is a one of the greatest messengers and communicators in the world to just pay attention to stuff. And, you know, there's a lot to be said that, uh, you know, you're either winning or you're learning. And so you're either winning in business or you're you're learning. Uh, you're either winning in relationships or you're learning. So hopefully you pay, really pay attention to the learning along the way because you'll spend a lot a lot of time winning if you actually do. And unfortunately, and, and you all can see this, a lot of people never get that. They never understand it. And so they have really painful lives. And, and although we're talking about business and although we're coming to a business conference where I'm going to be interviewing all of you about connecting and engaging with people, uh, I think the number one priority that someone literally has to, has if you if you put anything else ahead of this you're going to lose it. It's kind of like I deal with a lot of people in with addiction and there's a there's a line which is anything you put ahead of your recovery you're going to lose. If you put your business ahead of your recovery, if you're truly you know an addict and you need to recover, you're going to lose your business. If you put your relationship ahead of your recovery, you're going to lose your recovery. And so the same thing with your health. You know one of my favorite proverbs uh, that uh, my buddy. Christian Cattaccini uh, first shared with me was, uh, he or she who has their health has a thousand dreams. He or she who does not have their health has only one. And when you're younger, that doesn't make as much sense as when you're, you know, older and you see your health, you know, starting to decline depending on your lifestyle. And so all of this stuff, all of this talk about business, you know, hopefully it's just to fund an incredible life that is 
amazing, beautiful relationships, great, fantastic health, contributions to the world, you know, raising a family if your goal is to raise a family. So anyway, with, I don't want to be on a soapbox here. So let me go back to uh, what, what the hell was the original question before I went on a tangent there? What did I even ask you guys? Oh, what you was... asked what you forgot to ask him and Connor went into his nice uh, tangent right there. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So what, so let's do this. Uh, any, anything that I, that, that I didn't bring up that you'd like to talk about or mention for the listeners and, uh, any famous last words of advice and your contact info so that anyone that wants to follow you guys, uh, just give out your contact info if you could. So let's go back to Jesse and then we'll go to Madison and then we'll go to, uh, Ishan and then we'll, we'll go to Connor and, and then, uh, maybe we'll go on another tangent. We'll see. So Jesse, <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, I think you did a pretty good job in terms of picking out the important stuff to hit on, and I'm excited to continue the conversation with whatever we didn't go or go deeper in with some of the stuff at the annual event in a few weeks, which I'm super excited for. Can't wait to get out of the cold New Jersey weather. Um, But in terms of last words and that kind of stuff, I'd say for if there's any young people listening to this, like Ishan and Connor and Madison, and myself, well said, and you as well, find a mentor, get started today. Like, there's nothing holding you back just because of your age or whatever you do. Like, turn everything else out and go through a tunnel vision on exactly what you want to do um, and test stuff out. And then in terms of contact stuff, um, social media pages, uh, my Instagram's jesse.kay11. That's probably the best place to find me. Or you can shoot me an email, j-e-s-s-e-k-a-y-811 at gmail.com. Awesome. Cool, man. Thank you. Madison. Yeah, I think you, you pretty much touched on and I'm excited to, to be in Arizona and be able to expand on sort of the things we talked about. Um, contact information. Instagram is at Madison Bregman, B as in boy, R-E-G-M-A-N. And then email is mb at madisonbregman.com. Awesome. Thank you, Madison. Ishan. Yes. Uh, the best way to reach me, uh, I'll start off with that and then jump into my final words. Um, but, uh, the best way to reach me would be my website, just I S H A N G O E L dot com. Uh, and just shoot me a, uh, a message on my site. I'll get back to you. All my social links are there. Um, and in terms, I guess Jesse took my, my message, uh, that I was going to drop, but I'd say just, I mean, I, I should have thought been thinking about this a little prior to this, but I definitely would say get started. Don't let anyone stop you, but also uh, stay on path. Like if you're doing something, don't don't shift gears and, and go into reverse all of a sudden uh, to get started with something else. Uh, that was my biggest piece of advice I received. And also network, uh, connecting with as many people as you can uh, and really just building relationships instead of connections. A lot of people just... A lot of people that I take to events with me that are around my age, they, they're so busy trying to network that they forget to connect with people. And it's not about just handing a business card. It's not about getting a phone number. But it's, it's more than that. It's, it's people skills. It's about really honing in on creating a connection with someone in a short, a short period of time that you can continue to build on for months, days, years, hours later. Um, and that, that's, that's about it. So. No, that's that's great advice. And the way that I would also translate that into um, one thing that I think about a lot is, is there's a lot of people that are in a race to consume so much information. 
and read a lot of books and go through a lot of seminars and different things, at least, you know, um, in, in my world, I see a lot of this and I think someone is far better off mastering a single useful book than reading uh, 50 books. You know, I mean, you can you can read a book and then read the next book and read the next book, but like to really master something, and the same thing I would say with what you said about relationships. I mean, you can go to an event and get a ton of contact info and, you know, handshakes and hugs and meet different people, but that that's far different than, you know, quality is, is far more important than quantity, and that, that I think will always uh, play out. So thanks. And then, Connor, I mean, you were the youngest person, I think, to ever give a talk at Genius Network at, how old were you then, 15 or 16? I think I was like 15. Yeah, so, all right, fa uh, final last words from you, and uh, any anything else you want to wrap uh, this up with, and then we'll... My final last words are, follow Caleb Maddox on Instagram, and, uh, and my parting, parting advice is... Uh, we can't hear you. Wait, can you hear me now? Yeah, you sounded a little bit bad. We we couldn't really hear you the entire time, but I just didn't want to be rude. Oh, you're uh, No, no, my, go ahead. My, my parting <laughs> words are to follow Caleb Maddox on Instagram. And um, lastly, lastly, uh, I think that everyone should go and do something nice for someone else today. And I'm I agree. excited to do and. If they want Do a good turn daily. Then they have to go to the event and hear it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, first off, I really, really appreciate you all taking the time. And uh, I, I, I'm really excited about what's going to happen at Genius Network and about just, you know, helping to amplify what you guys are already doing. So uh, looking forward to that. And to all of our uh, listeners, I hope you found this inspirational and inspiring and there's certainly business owners and different people that probably uh, are not aware of some of the things that we talked about. So uh, share this episode with anyone in your business or in your world uh, that you think would benefit from it. I'll put all of the contact information from everyone below in the show notes of this episode. And uh, for those of you that are going to see us at the Genius Network annual event, which will be taking place here in a couple of weeks, uh, then awesome. GeniusNetworkEvents.com. Events with an S uh, is where all the details are. And uh, to all of you guys, uh, thank you so much. And we'll, we'll, we'll be rocking the house in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening to this episode of I Love Marketing. If you'd like to learn more about the Genius Network annual event, go to GeniusNetworkEvents.com. That's GeniusNetworkEvents.com. If you would like access to the complete presentation, the show notes, the links, and the special resources for this episode, please visit ilovemarketing.com forward slash 337. That's ilovemarketing.com forward slash 337.